Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come today and give you thanks and praise. And Lord, I do thank you for the word of our testimony. Now, each and every one of us has been given testimonies, all because you have chosen to use us for your kingdom. When we cry out to help to you, you answer us and intervene in our lives to feed us, to maybe help us do better in business. Maybe it's we need a healing. Maybe it's we need encouragement. Maybe we're just stressed out and we need less stress and peace in the midst of the storm. And Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every heart that is here today the importance of sharing their testimony with others because that is a way that we can give you thanks, God. That it is a thank offering that we can give to you as we share our stories with others, Lord, in your name. Amen. You can turn with me to Psalm 107. As we were kind of preparing for our Thanksgiving service today, the Lord just really laid on our heart the importance of making sure that we understand how important it is to give thanks. And, in Psalm, and I found Psalm 107 basically after uh, we had kind of laid out our kind of our design for today and what we wanted to do. And, and I started reading Psalm 107 because in my prayer time, I just kind of felt impressed. Hey, go read Psalm 107. So I went and read Psalm 107. And I'm like, wow, it kind of parallels what we want to do in our service today. And, and so what was kind of cool about the whole thing is as you read it, you're going to see how it kind of all comes together. But uh, before, you know, so I want you to know that in Psalm 107, God's faithfulness is expressed to us in a context of our troubles in the journey of life. And you're going to find in Psalm 107, and we're going to talk about it in a moment here, that there's four different groups of people, four different groups of people that have struggles, things that they're going through. One's called the drifter, by the way, is what I call them. They're wandering around aimlessly, no direction. They're homeless. They don't know where they're going. They're kind of lost. The second group you're going to find in our text today is kind of the group that are kind of, um, uh, they're basically starving to death is what they are. They, 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 they have no spiritual nourishment and they're literally starving to death spiritually. Then there's those that we're going to discover in our text that are prisoners. They're caged, they're in chains, they're in bondage. And we're going to hear about them. And then the fourth group is, it says they were like merchants or sailors that were on the sea and and the, the waves would come and go, but it really talks about businessmen and the stress of the business life and, and where does God fit into that whole picture of business. And so we're going to talk about those four groups in a moment, but what's interesting is each time these four groups of people cried out to God in their time of stress, in their time of trouble, it says that God answered their prayer because of his great mercy and that they in turn should give thanks to God for his great mercy. And so as we look at this story, let's read Psalm 107. I want to read verses 1 through 3 to you as we kind of look at it up there on the text. But let me read the NIV first, the New International Version. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, you're going to hear that phrase a few times in this psalm. You see it basically throughout the psalms, but it's repeated quite often in this psalm. Then it goes on into verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, Those he redeemed from the land of the foe, those he gathered from the lands from east and west and from north and south. But it basically says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. I like how it says it in the message. He words it this way. Oh, thank God he is so good. His love never runs out. 
all of you set free by God, tell the world, tell how he freed you from oppression. Then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds and from the seven seas. And, and as you read on in that psalm, it's all about how God delivered all these different groups of people who, when they found themselves in trouble, found themselves in a mess, they cried out to God and God answered their prayer. And as a result of God answering their prayer, our psalmist tells us, you need to tell your story. You need to tell and give an offering of thanks to God by telling your story to other people. As you know, giving thanks is not just giving money. It's not just giving, you know, a, a, a Thanksgiving Day meal to a family. It is also telling your story of what God has done for you and why you're so thankful for God. So I, I want to challenge you to think about what's, what's your story? What are the stories that you can share with others this Thanksgiving season? You know, the Bible reveals two mighty weapons in our arsenal against Satan's accusations. And we all know Satan goes around accusing and lying, putting people down, trying to trap them. He also goes around to try and steal away your story, your offering of thanks. He wants to steal that away. He doesn't want you to tell your story to others because, you know, if you tell your story to others, it could change their lives. And he knows that. So he keeps you quiet. He keeps you bound up. He keeps you caged. Or he keeps you drifting. Or he keeps you so stressed out, you never tell your story. Or, you know, you want me to go down night? There's so many things that fit into this thing that he keeps you from telling your story because that's a thanksgiving offering to God. And so I want to challenge you today that it says in Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. If those who sat through my Revelation teaching last year all know about how important it is for us. We need the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is in direct reference to what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary when he went and he willingly died on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God the Father. And he willingly chose to be that ultimate one-time sacrifice for all of our sins, which then wiped away uh, the Levitical law of offering up sacrifices every time we sin. Jesus was a one-time sacrifice once and for all. And so we know the blood of the lamb washes us, cleanses us. It says it makes us as white as snow. And we know that the blood of the lamb is powerful, but not only is the blood of the lamb powerful, not only is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross absolutely powerful, there's a second dimension that is also powerful, and that is your testimony. That is telling others what God has done for you in your life. It is sharing miracles. It's, it's basically what we have over here on the prayer wall. See, on our right-hand side, we have all these prayer requests we've been praying for, but I want you to notice on the left-hand side are a few of the answered prayer requests that have come through. God has answered these requests. And on the left side, that's kind of a thank offering right there. It's a giving thanks to God for answering our prayers, for doing the supernatural. And so I want to challenge you, you have to share your story. You need to share about the goodness of the Lord because your testimony is powerful. Your testimony, in my view, does three things if you're willing to share it, and it's up there on the screen. So there's three things your testimony will do. Number one, sharing your testimony will connect you with other people. See, and by the way, one of our core values here at Christian Hills Church is the first is that we are here to connect people with God and to connect people with others. Sharing your story does connect you with God because it's a connection you have with God and how God did something in your life. But the next phrase is, is your connection with others. 
which means sharing your story about how what God has done for you will help you connect with the people that are around you. Believe it or not, the devil will tell you, don't share your story. You're going to offend them. They're going to be mad. They're going to be upset. That's not politically correct. You shouldn't say that in this context. But can I tell you something? God wants you to share your story. Can I have an amen to that? It's important for us to share our stories as a way of giving thanks to God. See, if you want to connect with God and others, you have to be willing to share your story, the times God has helped you, the answered prayers, the times he delivered you. See, you know, you know when, when pastors speak or anybody speaks, there's always this little struggle that goes on like, should I, should I tell them my struggles? Should I tell them my struggle, my testimony, how God brought me through this struggle? And, and, and some pastors, you know, they've even told me, like, I never share my struggles. I, and by the way, most of you know, I share my struggles. I share my struggle because I want you to know how faithful God is. Amen? And, and so I'll share my struggles with you. I'll share the battles that we find ourselves in because I know God is faithful to come through. And when he comes through, I'm going to tell you he comes through. Amen? And I'm going to testify to his goodness, to his mercy, and to his love. I am so thankful for God's grace and mercy and love and faithfulness. I like what one author said. He says, in our text, as we look at these first three verses, he says, he says, you know, when, when people are not telling their story out of fear and they don't want to be transparent or they think people are going to reject them or whatever reason, he says, I have learned this, that we need to share our stories because God uses our stories to deliver others, to show them that God loves them, that God cares for them, that God listens to prayers, and that there is hope. And when we share our story, it breaks into a new realm spiritually that will set people free. But we have to tell our story. You have to tell your testimony. I don't believe God delivered you, did a miracle, has provided, has prospered your business, or whatever that may be, for you to keep it under wraps and never say a word. I believe God has given you the blessings in your life so you can tell the world. Like our psalmist tells us, go tell the world your story. Don't be afraid to tell it. The second thing we need to look at as we look at how important it is for us to tell our story. Sharing your testimony with others raises you above the influence of your past, the shame of the past, and the pain of the past. See, some believers like myself know that we are completely healed of our previous wounds. We're freed from sin. I shared how I grew up in a dysfunctional family home, how my father would Bruce brutally beat up my mother, and how my first fight was with my father at 11 years old to stop him from beating my mother up. But I want you to know some. I share that testimony because I've been delivered and set free. Amen? I share that testimony because my dad accepted Jesus when I went down and prayed with him a while ago. Amen? And, and, and I share that story to let you know that maybe you're in a similar situation, and I want you to know there is hope. There is a power, and his name is the Lord God Almighty. It's through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that you can be delivered from your past, and God can take your past even the hurt and the pain and all that's there, and he can turn it around for good to help encourage others to be set free. But if I never tell my story, you would never know how faithful God is. So I tell my story. And you just got a little tidbit of it. But I like what Todd White says. Todd White goes around, and, and most of you know Todd White, he's pretty famous today, and 
he's the dreadlock guy, and he does all these different things and prays for people. And I remember he said, I'm, an, I'm a drug addict who was set free by Jesus Christ. And I was listening to one of his messages a, a few weeks back, and he made the comment. He goes, I want you to know something. He says, I kind of disagree with AA because AA tells you that you need to stand up and say, you know, I'm an alcoholic, and my name is so-and-so. He says, I want you to know that when I stand up here in front, he says, I want you to know that I am Todd White, I am a child of the king, and I have been set free from drugs. I am not a drug addict anymore. And I want you to know that God can set you free, that you no longer need to be an alcoholic, amen? And you don't have to even confess you're an alcoholic. All you have to do is say, God set me free, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's the word of God. God sets people free. We're not defined by our sin. We're set free from our sin. We're not defined by the ravages of sin. We're set free from our sin, and God gives us a new identity. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. Our identity is not in sin. Can I hear an amen? You know, my wife teases me because I say amen so much, but you know what I told her the other day? You know what the very last word in the Bible is? Anybody know? Amen. <laughs> See, we need to understand how important it is for us to tell our story. You know, it's important to draw our attention how the Bible boasts about the power of our testimony to defeat the accuser, Satan. And it ends with, right after verse 11, it says, not only they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and then it says, and they loved not their lives to death. When you get bold enough to not worry about what people think about you, Hello? When you get bold enough to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, you're not going to be afraid of dying. You're not going to be afraid of being put down by others. You're not going to be afraid of what they may say or kind of, you know, label you as one of those holy rollers or those kind of crazy religious people. It won't matter to you because what you're going to want to do is please God. Amen? And, and, and it won't matter what happens to your life. What will matter the most to you is that you tell your story of how God delivered you so that other people hear it and they too can understand that God loves them. God is no respecter of persons. God will do the same that he did for me that he'll do for you. And you got to believe that when you tell your story. By the way, I, I've shared my story, and I, most of you know I put my sermons on SermonCentral.com. They're written sermons, and I have close to 700 sermons on Sermon Central. And I remember it was a few years back, I kind of wrote a sermon called The Rock, the Roll, and the Resurrection. It was an Easter sermon, and I share some of my story in The Rock, the Roll, and the Resurrection. And I got an email one day. I was sitting in my office, and it was from a Muslim man in Palestine. He read my sermon on Sermon Central. And he wanted to write to let me know that he had given his life to Jesus Christ because of my story. That's the power of your story. You don't know who it's going to impact. You don't even know. It could impact someone all the way across on the other side of the world. You don't know that. What you need to know is you need to be faithful and obedient to share your story. Third thing. Now, by the way, remember what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and will be your new reality and identity if you believe it and stand upon it because God does make us new. Amen? So you tell your stories of where God brought you out of. Share those stories with others. 
Thirdly, sharing your testimony releases hope and the power of the Holy Spirit into others' lives. Each one of us was rescued from sin. Each one of us has a story. We were in bondage. We were brought out of something for a reason. God delivered us for a reason. God delivered us for a purpose. God delivered us for a destiny. You may be thinking, what is the reason? And, and I'm glad you're asking that question, but here's the reason. So that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's 1 Peter 2.9. See, God delivered you, set you free, did a miracle, saved you, forgave you, whatever, uh, helped your business prosper, intervened in the family situation, healed your marriage. You, and I can go on and on and on. And you know why he did this? So that you may declare the goodness of him who has called you out of darkness. So that you may glorify God. And this is what God did for me. This is what the Holy Spirit has done for me. See, we were delivered, healed, forgiven, blessed, encouraged, touched. Can I say it again? Blessed, strengthened to tell others what God did for us in that special moment in life. And we can't keep it down. We can't keep it quiet. We can't let the devil steal our stories anymore. Can I have an amen? We have to tell our story. Don't let the devil stop you from sharing the power of the gospel with others. Don't let him do it. See, in these dark days, it's critical that people see the hope of the resurrection that more than ever, people need confidence that God is real, that he loves them, and that he can truly transform their lives into something of value. As one who's experienced that transformation, amen, I'm one of those, your testimony has the power to release that hope, but you have to share your story. Perhaps your story will encourage the addict that freedom can be received, that they can be freed from the drugs with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, one, one gentleman, most of you know, when I was in Amory, I, I started a halfway home. And I worked with people who were addicts. Most of the guys I worked with were meth addicts. And some of them were meth dealers who had actually gone to prison. And we had a ministry in the prison that kind of led them to Jesus. They'd get out. They'd come into our halfway house, New Life halfway house. And, and I would work with them. Every Wednesday night was my task to work with whoever was in the halfway home. And so Clayton came up to me. He had gotten saved and, and prison came out. And he, and he came up to me and he says, you know, Pastor Mike, he said, you know, I messed up my life. My life's been a mess. And if you looked at Clayton, he had no teeth. By the way, he was missing most of his teeth from the map. And he had a skull tattooed on this side of his face and up his neck. <laughs> and if he looked at Clayton, he looked a little scary. Okay? And I remember Clayton and, and, and on my one Wednesday night study with all these guys, and I had about 17 at one point that I was working with, 17 different guys. And, and he looks at me, he goes, Pastor Mike, he said, you know, I remember when I was a meth addict, he said. And, and I know how important it is for me to tell my story that people can be set free from meth. And he says, so I'm going to tell my story and tell my story and tell my story. Because he says, I remember when I was a meth addict, he said, the devil is always trying to tell his story. And, and he says, and that meth would cry to me. And he said, and that meth would call to me. And that meth would say, come and partake of me. And he said, and I literally would see these, these individuals who were, they were like spiritual beings that I would see standing behind the corner in these trees saying, come back to me. Come, come and you'll be free. And he said, and I literally see these, these, these individuals. And he, and, and he said, and I know the devil wants us to grab and buy into his story, but now I've bought into the greatest story of all time, and that is Jesus Christ. And he has truly set me free. And he went on to live it. So did a lot of those other guys. We have to tell our story. 
Because you don't know who's going to be set free. You don't know who's going to be delivered because of your story. It's possible someone sick needs to hear your story of healing. Why? So that they understand that their symptoms are not the final answer, but God has the final answer. They need to be encouraged to press on. Maybe a depressed person needs to hear your story, that there's a place of exceeding joy and that God can deliver them from depression, negative thoughts, and even suicidal thoughts. By the way, Brett Hollis, who's coming to do our comedy night on December 10th at 7 p.m., encourage you to come out to that. He, at one point, when he was about 20-something years old, was so depressed, so suicidal, he was out in the hills of Montana hunting, and he took his rifle and he put it into his mouth, put his finger on the trigger, and pressed the trigger. It didn't work. He now does comedy. He's our comedian that's coming. And he said when he pulled the trigger, it didn't work. And he looked up and he saw this path. And he said, and he says, I'm looking around. And he said, I don't remember seeing that path before. And it was a path that he said it had been a fresh snow. And the path was kind of like a muddy path. But the path led into this, this, this realm of the woods that looked like they were actually green. And he's, and, he, and he's looking, and, and they started thinking, maybe I did pull the trigger. Maybe I'm dead. And he felt this voice say, follow the path. He threw his gun on his shoulder, walked down this path. And he says, and he walked into this, like, green forest in the middle of this snowy kind of hillside, mountainside. And he says, and he's following this path, and he's coming up, walking up the mountain, following this path. He comes up over the horizon, and there sitting on the top is Jesus on a stump. So he t- this is what he says in his testimony. And I looked at him like, is that, is, is, is that you, Jesus? The Lord said, yeah. And you know what the Lord said? You can't take your life. It's not yours to take. He says, I have plans for you. Now, he's depressed, down, trying to commit suicide. Back in that day, had had a rough life, a lot of bad choices, a lot of wrong things done. And he said, I sat and visited with Jesus for an hour. And he says, you can call me crazy. You can say whatever you want, but I had that vision. I had that understanding. And he said about an hour later, he, he knew he had to go, and he walked down the path again. And he, his story has, he wrote a book, by the way. You have to read his book. He's bringing his book with him when he comes. But now he does comedy for Jesus, amen? And he's a pastor. God changed his life. Maybe you need to share your testimony like that so that God can use you too. Your story could impact the outcasts that there is acceptance and love found in Jesus and that they are not alone or rejected by God. Your story could impact those in fear and overwhelmed with worry and see that God will provide like he did for you. So here's my challenge. We're going to see and hear how God has been faithful to so many people. We really felt today that we need to share testimonies today. So I pray that these testimonies encourage you, challenge you. I pray they inspire you today to give God thanks. 
I pray that they inspire you to tell your story, which is a, a, a thanksgiving offering to God of giving thanks. I pray you're encouraged to give God thanks for his mercy, love, and connection. And with that, we're going to have the kids come up, and they have a few things they'd like to do. So as the kids come up, uh, let's give them a warm welcome as we're going to see their testimony. Go ahead and make your way all the way up here. One of the things that I absolutely love about the Word of God is um, a lot of the times the parents told the children of the faithfulness of God, and they would tell from generation to generation, and the kids would grow up knowing who God was because of his faithfulness throughout their family, throughout the generations. They know what's going on. So these kids, you know what? Let's scoot down a little bit yeah, just guys, to make scoot sure down that way. Keep coming. We get everybody up. Yep. So keep I'm going. Ask keep them. going. Keep going down. Yep. You guys. Keep coming keep down. Going. Don't be shy. Spread the love. <laughs> Spread the love. There we go. Make room for everybody. All right. Any, te- any, any more teens want to come on up? No pressure. Okay. <laughs> um, so what I'm going to have them do, I'm going to have them tell you their name, their age, and one or two things that they are thankful for. Okay. So we're going to start right here and move our way down, okay? So say your name, your age, and one or two things you're thankful for, okay? I'm Caitlin Disser, and I'm 10, and I'm thankful for Jesus and my family. My name is Abigail Longfellow, and I'm nine, and I'm thankful for my pets and my family. My name is Allison, and I'm 10 years old, and I'm thankful for Jesus and my life. My name is Anastasia Maravillas. I'm nine years old, and I'm thankful that my little nephew Aiden is home and that my sister Alexis is too. Sophia and I'm and I'm five years old and I'm thankful for my family and Thanksgiving. I'm Riley Zavrek. I'm eight years old and I'm thankful for my family and food. My name's Anthony and I'm seven and I'm thankful for food and parents. My name is Alejandro Zagato. I'm eight years old. I'm grateful for my packing machine at Thanksgiving. My name is Reese DeBrent. I am 13, and I am thankful for a great education. Oh, we're a little shy. Can I tell you them your names? You want to tell them your name? Okay, this is Grace. Grace, how old are you? fingers. She's four years old. And what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? Earlier, she told me she's thankful for mommy. That's what she said. So, all right. And this is her big sister, Ellie. So we'll let her do her talking. Uh, my name is Ellie and I'm 15, almost 16. <laughs> and I'm thankful for just a great church and the community that 
years old, and I'm thankful for my family and God. I'm Rodney. I'm 10 years old, and I'm thankful for my parents. And shout out to all moms and dad out, dads out there. <laughs> my name is Elias. I'm 11, and I'm thankful for my family. My name is Rochelle, and I'm 12, and I'm thankful for good health, including shelter. I'm Sophia, and I'm 18 years old, and I'm thankful for my family and friends. I'm Jeremy, I'm 14 years old, and I'm thankful for my teachers and my pastors. Well, let's give them a hand. It takes a lot of courage to come up and say this. So thank you guys, and you guys may head on back to your seats. So thank you, thank you. Good job, guys. Video testimonies for you, so let's go to those. I'm Dan Williams, and I'm here to talk about what happened at the Trunk or Treat. I was involved in the prayer tent, and I went out with a team with Jose. Uh, hello, my name is Rosa. As uh, everybody knows, I'm always in the third road, um, coming every Sunday since three years ago. Uh, today, I just want to share my testimony that uh, what it's got doing in my life. Um, well, I just wanted to say that I've been in this area um, since 2000, which is going to be 19 years uh, already. And then I just was passing by every single day uh, by 159. And I just never noticed that the Lord was just waiting for me. Um, I feel that I've been missing a, so many years. Like I cannot believe there's like 16 years that... Uh, 16 years uh, that I didn't know that the Lord was just in front of me. And um, today we just want to share that uh, last, uh, I, I don't quite remember, I think it was on uh, April uh, when we got the convention. And that week I was saying to the Lord, I was just asking and praying and uh, asked the Lord, how can I serve? Um, so the Lord told me that I, I have to come and stop for that week to um, stop at work doing uh, whatever I got to do in order to be here at church. So um, I that week I came and I start helping uh, the most that I can and always ask the Lord uh, in regards to my family and regard my kids because I have three kids um, and two of them they're not in uh, they're, they're, they don't know the Lord yet. Um, well, anyway, uh, I was asking the Lord for my kids to just show them, like, uh, show them that he's waiting for them. So I was just coming to the church, um, cleaning here, doing that, go downstairs, go upstairs, doing it multiple times. So anyway, um, the last day, it was just the last day of the convention. Um, when I was on the gym room, as you guys remember, there were a lot of chocolates, there were a delicious uh, desserts that uh, Kathy uh, set up for that day. So I was, it was almost the end of the, the day. It was the last day, at the, almost at the end of the, um, of the, uh, all, all the treats or all the convention. And then I was trying to clean up the, uh, the area where all the, um, 
desserts. And then it was someone that I never seen in my life that approached me. And then uh, I, got, um, I got my face down like this, fixing uh, all the things, taking care of the table. And I don't know how that I, um, I, just, um, I just went towards my um, face, just looking at the person who was next to me. And he said, um, are you Rosa? And I'm like, I was kind of like, yes, I am. Um, and I was like, why? And he said, well, I'm just going to tell you some. Uh, is your son Carlos? That's my son's name. And I was like, yeah. And it, it was kind of like, why? How he knows? And then um, my son was doing Uber that, uh, in those days. And then this person who was in the convention, I'm not so sure if he was pastor or not, but he uh, got a ride with my son. And this person prayed for my son when he ends the ride with him. He prayed for him. And it was like, it, it wasn't a coincidence that he picked him up that day. And it wasn't a coincidence that I just went to clean up the table and meet him. Uh, it wasn't a coincidence either to be at the last day and the last minute. So it's definitely the presence of the Lord that is showing me that it's He's working on that. I feel a joy uh, when I when I feel like there's no hope, uh, when I feel there's nothing that it's coming through. I'm just go to the Lord, and He's definitely there for me, and it's for you as well, for all of us. He is just for 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 us. He's here. He lives. He he His presence is always with us. Just we need to look and see how we can find him because the Lord loves all of us. times of year because two of my most favorite things are combined, family and food. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to feed people. Anyone who has come to my house knows that you are not going to leave hungry. And if you do, it is literally your fault. <laughs> so this year is even more awesome because almost And while that would terrify some people, 40 to 50 people crammed into your house for food is exciting for me. I am thrilled that there are going to be 40 to 50 people in my house ready for food and laughter. I remember as a kid, my grandmother used to host Thanksgiving every year. And me and my cousins would go downstairs and we'd hop on the furniture because the floor was lava or there were sharks trying to attack us. And usually we'd get yelled at at least twice because we were jumping on the furniture. And that's not exactly something we should be doing, but it was so much fun. And then we got older and we started having kids and our kids started jumping from the furniture. You see, there's a pattern here. So I'm totally expecting the kids to jump all over my house 
on Thursday. But I remember as we got older, Thanksgiving stopped being such a priority. And family stopped being the most important thing. And there was one Thanksgiving, probably about 10 years ago now, Caitlin was brand new, like baby in the arms, brand new. And I don't remember what it was, but there was a conversation in the back of the house, screamed to the conversation in the front of the house. And words were said, words were said. And I'm standing in the kitchen going, what in the world is happening? Like, I can't help. I'm holding the baby. I've got nothing. People are shouting, and these people are shouting, and my grandmother's standing there going, what? Why? Why? wasn't what it used to be. The whole family didn't get together. The kids didn't jump all over the furniture. Sure, the food was still good because, well, food is always good. But their, that feeling was gone. And pretty soon it was just, you know, my mom and my dad, my brother and my sister and my husband and my kids. And my cousins did their thing and my grandma would have to pick where she was going to go. And we weren't all together. trouble and somebody's trying to sneak dessert before dinner. So this year, my grandfather passed away in October. Hit me like a ton of bricks, but I knew it was coming. I loved my granddad. He always liked to laugh and smile, and he always had Werther's Originals for me. And so we're at his funeral. Saddest day I've had in probably six years. I'm standing there at his graveside. I said, Lord, I need you to tell me something right now. Just anything. And I got one word. Thanksgiving. I'm like, okay, hold on. Yes, I know Thanksgiving's coming. We got like a couple weeks, six or seven. Really? He's like, Thanksgiving. So I started playing it in my head. I'm like, okay, Thanksgiving. Family, food. I've got a bigger house now. I love having people. It's perfect. So I grabbed my cousin at the, the lunch afterwards, and I said, hey, so I'm going to have Thanksgiving this year. I need y'all to come, too. She's like, yes, that's perfect. Let's do Thanksgiving. And I'm like, ooh, slow down a minute. Like, let's see if everybody else wants to do this, too. I knew my grandmother was going to be up here this year for Thanksgiving. I was like, it's even better, because then everybody can get together. Children can jump on the furniture, and I can yell at somebody to get out of my kitchen like I've always wanted to. I can tell somebody don't eat the cookies before dinner. Because, you know, it's my house. I get to do those kinds of things. And I told my cousins, and I told my aunts, I told my uncles. And the more I thought about it, and the more I thought about it, and the more I prayed about it, the more that feeling so excited that my family is going to be in my house for Thanksgiving. And there are going to be babies to snuggle and food to pass around 
that is the one thing I have missed so much for Thanksgiving. So even though my granddad will not be with us this year, he will be because he is the catalyst that is going to draw all of us together again under one roof for Thanksgiving with food and family. And I'm hoping a ton of laughter and pictures and hugs. And when everybody leaves my house on Thursday and my house is all clean and you can't even tell that 50 people just came through there. Telling our story. We pray for things and God answers prayer. Amen. Well, let's go back and look at Psalm 107 again. I want to take a few moments here and I want to highlight a few more of our, our scripture texts out of Psalm 107. You can pick it up with me in verse 4 of Psalm 107. It goes on to say, we, we've learned about how we need to tell our story. The psalmist encourages us to make sure that we tell people, we tell our story to the world. And now we're encouraged to be reminded of the different groups of people I highlighted to you before. So let's read uh, verses 4 through 9. Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men, says the psalmist. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. So this first group were a bunch of drifters. They're those who drift, wander in their journey of life. They're lost. They're nomads. They're loners. They're homeless. And scripture here calls them wanderers. See, these were people who were wandering around with no direction, no destiny, no purpose, no home. They just drifted from place to place. Uh, nomads with no destiny, no direction. They were just in a wasteland of nothing, and they had no purpose. It's interesting that they were hungry and thirsty, though. They were unsatisfied, yet unable to find a place of contentment and satisfaction in the journey of life. They were frustrated and unfulfilled with their lives. And they really didn't know where to go or what to do. And they did not know where or what or that they were even lost. Some of them weren't even aware of it. But then finally something happened. They're wandering in the desert wastelands. They're so hungry. They're so thirsty. But it says here in our scripture that they, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord and he heard their cry. And he brought them in, and he brought them into a place that we're going to discover, a place where they could call home. And he gave them a city where they could dwell in, we discover in this psalm, because they cried out to him. And the psalmist says, those who kind of fit this group of people, they should be willing to give thanks to the Lord. They should tell their story, because other people need to hear this. And let's move on to our next group, our second group. Our second group 
we discover are found for us if you pick it up starting um, with verse 10. And these, this group is the ones who are basically imprisoned, chained, caged, trapped in a bondage, stuck, if you would say. Some sat in darkness in the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down and cuts through bars of iron. So once again, our psalmist tells us they cried out to God in their bondage, in their prison, in their chains. And they were stuck, and there was no way out. They couldn't see light at the end of the tunnel. But when they cried out to God, he heard their cry, and he delivered them, and he broke down the gates of bronze, and he cut through the bars of iron. I shared my story of New Life Halfway Home that I helped to lead when I was up in Emory for about 10 years. And I, I remember the day that when I, I first had a vision to start a halfway home at Polk County. I sent a letter to the Polk County Board saying, hey, we got a prison ministry. It's ministering to a lot of the guys in jail. But when they get out, they kind of crash and burn because they just fall back into their traps. They fall back into the wrong peer pressure and the wrong groups. And I said, do you guys have any, have any funds that could help us fund a halfway home here in Polk County? About a couple weeks later, I got a letter in the mail from Polk County Board, and this is what they said in the letter. Dear Pastor Mike, thank you for caring for those that are in prison, but we have no money, and we would really desire not to have a halfway house in Polk County. We would rather they would leave our county. That was a little letter I got back. Now, I summarized it a little bit, but that was a letter I got back. And so I said, all right, Lord, I know you're laying on my heart that we need to start this halfway home, but I have no money. I don't have anybody to run the house, and how is this all going to happen? And so the Lord actually sent a couple families to my church that felt called to this ministry. One became the director. Our first guy who went through the halfway home got radically saved and helped co-direct it. And long story short is, we had another family that started driving up from Minneapolis, Minnesota, which was an hour away for our Sunday morning service in Emory. And after they were there about three months, they came up to me and said, Pastor Mike, we, we just have really felt God has called us to this church to drive here one hour each way every Sunday, and we have decided that we know why God has been calling us to do this. See, my dad owns a house on the Apple River, which was about 10 minutes away, and we want to give you that house so you can start a halfway home. Now, how do you mighty know that's a miracle, amen? So we started the halfway home. We had all these people go through the halfway home. We had people get set free and delivered. So then I had the judges coming to talk to me. Judge Rasmussen came up to me one day. I was in the restaurant, and we had a New Life Cafe that we also ran. And he came up to me. He says, Mike, I don't know what you did with Brady. He said, man, that guy's been in my courtroom since he was 14 years old, in and out of jail, left and right. And he gets radically changed. I don't know what you did. But he said, but, uh, but me and Judge Gail Rywick have been talking. And so we wanted to ask you a question. I said, sure. What, what do you want to know? He goes, can we sentence people to your halfway home? I said, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> he 
He says, instead of them going to jail for a year, we want to sentence them to new life halfway home because we see lives being changed. He said, fine with me. So they did. They started giving people a choice in, in the courtroom. You have your choice. You can go to Polk County Jail for a year or new life halfway home. How many know it, you, you got to be really dumb to say, I'll take jail? Right? And so we started this chain of guys coming through our halfway home that we got to invest in their lives, pray for them, see them delivered and set free. We did that for almost, I think it was eight to nine years. At the eight, nine year mark, I was feeling called to leave Amory. And our halfway home needed someone to really lead it. And so I became friends with the Salvation Army director in the area. And him and I met in the cafe one day and we're talking. And he said to me, he says, you know, Mike, this halfway home thing that you got going is just amazing. Uh, by the way, the city of Amory gave us an award, gave our church an award for being the most outreach-orientated, most caring church in the community of Amory, by the way. I still have the certificate. And so he came to me and he said, I really feel we can make this thing bigger. And he said, what do you think? I'm like, I'm all in, but you're going to need a lot of help because it takes a lot of work, a lot of manpower, a lot of money. And he says, well, the Salvation Army wants to do this. So what had happened is in that time frame, they had built a brand new jail across the street from the old jail. The old jail for Polk County had been sitting empty for probably about this point in about two years. And so, so him and I, along with some other pastors, approached Polk County Board about if they would be willing to sell us the jail so that we could offer a halfway home. The halfway home would be able to house about 45 to 50 people we would have a thrift store on the bottom floor that could help generate income to take care of, and we would also have a division for women and families and then a division for the guys. So we approached Polk County Board. And they sold us the jail for a dollar. A dollar. And I remember the one board member saying, we just didn't think it would make a difference. We bought a million-dollar building for a dollar. 17 churches rallied around that halfway home. It's still going to this day. It's still rolling strong. It's still hitting 50 people a day. See, that's what Jesus does. And we need to tell these stories, amen? And we got to tell people God can do this. God can, he can do it without money. He can set the chain free. He can set the attic free. If you go on to group three, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. And the, the reference here, if you read on, is they were spiritually, spiritually dying of hunger, dying of thirst, because they wouldn't listen to the word of God. They wouldn't follow the word of God. But in verse 21, he sent forth his word and healed them when they cried out to him in verse 19. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Last group, the business guys, the merchants, verse 23 to 31. They were the business people, the ones who were working and I think factories, making money, doing the nine to five or 
for some people to 12 hours a day. They were the retailers, the tradesmen. And I guess if you looked at what they were, they were stressed out, it said, because the waves of the sea would blow to and fro and storms would blow in and cause devastation and destruction amongst the fleet. But then it says, as they were crying out to God, it says others went out and out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end because their businesses were failing. Their sales were down. It looked hopeless. It didn't look like things were going to work out. They were stressed out. They were working night and day, but it wasn't working. They weren't being free. They weren't being successful. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He took them out of their stress. How about that? He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Then verse 31 again repeats that same phrase. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Maybe you're one of these groups. Maybe you've been drifting. You're kind of wandering around aimlessly or hopeless. Don't know where you're going. I want you to know God can give you a city. He can give you a home. Amen? He can give you a place to belong, a place with relationship with others love you and care for you and lift up your arms in times of trouble and work with you. Maybe you're one of those prisoners. Maybe you're like one of the guys I got the privilege of working with for all those years at New Life Halfway House. I saw a lot of guys. I still remember BJ. He was a meth addict since he was 13 years old. His mother decided for his birthday to give him meth. That was his birthday present, meth. But God set him free. And God can set you free too. I don't know if it's alcohol. I don't know if it's porn. I don't know what it is. But God can set you free. But you know, you, you kind of fall in that category of being chained and you need delivered. Then there's group three, the foolish ones they're called in scripture. Those who go through life but neglect their spiritual food, nourishment, and spiritual water. They think they can do it on their own. They don't need God, they don't need the spirit, they don't need what he gives. They neglect the spiritual side of life, but then they come to the point where they find themselves right at the point of starvation, dying of thirst, and right on the pit to fall into death. And they cry out to God, and he hears a prayer. And then, of course, the last one, maybe you're one of the business guys. Business isn't going well. Things aren't going well. But I want you to know if you cry out to God, he will bless you. You know, I, I look at this, and, and what tells me is we need to cry out to God more. And I look at people who did that in the business realm. Uh, Truett, S. Truett Kathy did it with Chick-fil-A, the founder. They're still not open on Sundays. Very prosperous business. David Green, Hobby Lobby founder, CEO, not opened on Sunday. Very prosperous. These men both chose to honor God above their business, and God blessed their businesses. By the way, others that have done this in history, J.C. Penney, John D. Rockefeller, Thomas Bromwell Welch, John Tyson of Tyson Foods takes the same premise. And it's interesting that these individuals knew it, got it, and understand it. 
For those who put God first, God will add the rest in. But you have to seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll add all the other things that you need into it. But we need to get back to a society and a culture and give thanks to God for being faithful to bail us out, even when, by the way, all four of these individuals or groups made the choices that they ended up being in bondage to. And that didn't matter to God. It didn't matter they rejected his way for a while. What they did is when they cried out, God heard their prayer, and he delivered them. They all got themselves in a mess. They all dug their own ditches. Mankind always walks away from God right into trouble. They make wrong choices. Mankind does the wrong things. We sin, and the ravages of sin overwhelm us and overrun us. But the psalmist tells us that even though we do foolish things, God delivers us, helps us, catches us, and loves us when we're asked to be delivered. And I don't know about you, but that's amazing. Isn't it? That's amazing. It's amazing that we are our own worst enemies and God delivers us from ourselves. That's grace. That's mercy. That's love. And that's why we should give God thanks. Amen? You can read on in the rest of the story there, but I like what it says, the very last verse of the Psalm, Psalm 43. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things. What things? How faithful God is even when we blow it. Amen? How faithful God is when we make our own mess. He'll still bail us out. He'll still love us, forgive us. If we repent and, and, and ask for forgiveness, he's always there to step in and bless us. Amen? Well, we have a challenge for you today, and it comes from our psalm, by the way. So there's a card that you got. Uh, it should look like this. Most of you should get cards. If you didn't get a card, hold your hand up, and we'll make sure you get one. And what we're doing is actually what it says here in Psalms to do. Uh, if you caught the verse in Psalm 107, verse 22, it said this. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Everybody catch that? Right there in the middle of the psalm. So the idea behind these give thanks, God, is we want you to write on these give thanks cards what you're thankful for. What did God do for you? And then what we would like you to do is we're going to go into a time of worship. Once you fill out your card, we encourage you to come on up here in front, and we encourage you to lift up your card to the Lord and give him praise, and you can do it wherever you're at, too, if it gets real crowded up here. But when you're done with your card, just lay it on the altar here because we're going to put a bunch of them up on the answered prayer thing over there. But what are you thankful for, seriously? What are you thankful for that God has done you? Did he deliver you? Has he helped your business? Has he blessed you financially? marriage or family, any of that kind of stuff. What has he done for you? Think about it, and let's give God thanks. Amen? So we're going to go into a time of worship. When you're done with your cards, come on up front. We're going to do what it says here in Psalm. I believe in following the scriptures. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Amen? So once you're done, come on up, and let's just celebrate the Lord here for a few minutes as we give him thanks.
loving Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for your goodness, God. We thank you for your freedom. God, I pray that we walk out of today knowing that our chains are broken in the name of Jesus. And we just call on your name this morning, God. We ask for that freedom, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as we walk into this week, God, as we walk into Thanksgiving, Father, we would know in our hearts that you are with us wherever we go, God. And that we can walk out of here worshiping you, praising you, God, because we are free in you, God. That there is freedom in your name, God. And we pray, Lord, that we see you. God, I pray that you would mend relationships. God, I pray that you would bring families back together who never thought they would be together. God, I pray that you would mend relationships and marriages, God, that you never, that, that they never thought could come back together. But Lord, we know that you are the one that breaks chains, God, and you bring us back together, Father. I ask, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit, God, on this congregation this morning, God. Help us continue, God, not to just leave it here, but to continue to receive more of you and your love this week, God. You are with us wherever we go, Father. We hang on to that. We cling to that, Father. We give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's a good day, isn't it? We have that freedom. We can walk in that freedom. And your testimony, your story is what you carry and what God does through you. And so we're just so excited of what God is continuing to do. And I just pray uh, that God, the Lord blesses you as we all go out, that you and your families have an amazing, amazing week and Thanksgiving together. Um, if you are taking off, uh, thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, and don't forget, and if you're going to participate in Thanksgiving back here, um, Feel free to take a moment and take a family photo. We want you to take advantage of that. So um, we encourage you to do that. But uh, Thanksgiving Back, this is an outreach that we've been doing annually for the last couple years around Thanksgiving. And we have been able to prepare meals, Thanksgiving meals that will be going to families in need right here in our community. And um, we have about 15 homes that we're going to be doing some deliveries to this morning. And then also uh, Tom Kennington here with the Southside Christian Center. And uh, he will be reaching over, I know uh, we talked this week, he has 150 people already signed up for meals, and there's more. And there's, so some of these that we have will be going down there to the south side of Chicago, helping out families in need down there as well. So um, how this is going to work is uh, I'm going to ask that... Um, Anybody that it will be interested in delivering meals today, like I said, we, we have about 15, so uh, we'll, we'll kind of build it up, you know, one per family that can come and, and is willing to deliver. Um, I'll have you kind of come up. I will give you an address, and then I will kind of instruct you on how it's going to work. You will grab a bag here. Some of you will have noted on your tag that I'll give you that you'll take two bags for that family, and then you'll walk straight through here. Right at the end, we got some boxes. Um, there's some bread and buns there. I'm going to have you take one of those with your bag, as well as two cans of vegetables. And then on your way out, you will grab um, turkeys that are right in the back doorway. Okay? So uh, let us pray, and we'll dismiss. And then if you are um, interested in coming and delivering meals, that would be awesome. I'll just have you come forward, and then I will instruct you from there. But let's pray as we end here. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray that you would continue just to be in the midst of every single one of our lives, God, and our stories as you are continuing to write the story. It doesn't end here, but God, you continue to write the pages. Father, I pray that we would just be reflective in our hearts, God, of all that you would bless us with, and we are so thankful for all that you give us, God. Bless us this week, God. Help us to continue just to honor and glorify you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, everybody that donated, that helped out. And uh, we're so excited just to see what God is going to do this week and as we give out these meals. God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget to take your photos out and back. And then if you're delivering, please come on forward up here. And don't forget.